This evening we're going to be looking at Abraham's three visitors. Abraham's three visitors. Genesis chapter 18 verses 1 through to 15. In that passage we shall see Abraham sitting in the opening of his tent in the heat of the day in Mamre, which is Hebron. Three men paid him a visit, whereupon he received them and he extended hospitality towards them. One of the men told Abraham that his wife would soon have a son. Sarah, who was listening to the conversation, responded to the announcement with laughter within herself. Assurances were given by the visitor who had predicted the birth of a son, a child to Sarah, that it would be so, and that he would return when the boy was born. So that's a a summary of what we're now going to consider. First of all, we can consider the three visitors. In chapter 18 and verse 2, we see that three men stood by Abraham when he sat in his tent door. However, they were no ordinary men. It's worth noting the use of the English title, Lord, in our passage. You'll see it five times. First of all, look at verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? You see Lord there uh, with all lowercase letters. And that is a translation of the Hebrew word Adon, which means master. And it is used when respectfully addressing men, people. Just ordinary people. It's just a, a title of respect. The New Testament teaches that wives are to submit to their husband, their own husbands, and if ever there was an example in the Bible of a wife being in subjection to a husband, that must surely be it. There in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 12. Again, in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter picks up on Genesis 18 and verse 12 when he says in his first epistle, in chapter 3, verses 1 through to 6. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Coming back to the different uses of the English word Lord in Genesis chapter 18, we see in verse 1 that the Lord appeared unto Abraham. That word Lord with the all letters in uppercase is a translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh or Jehovah. Now that is interesting when you consider that Yahweh is the covenant name of Almighty God. And yet we see in verse 1 there, And the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, appeared unto him, unto Abraham, in the plains of Mamre. What can be seen in the very first verse is that one of those three visitors to Abraham was God or Jehovah Jesus nearly 2,000 years before 
the Lord Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. In the heat of the day, when Abraham was sitting at his tent door, he he received a visit from the Son of God. As for the other two visitors, they were no ordinary men either. When you read on to the next chapter, you discover in verse 1 that the other two were angels. You can just glance over there. Chapter 19, verse 1. We don't have to worry about the context at the moment. We'll come to that in a couple of weeks' time. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. Those two angels were two of the three men who paid Abraham a visit in the heat of the day. As for Jehovah Jesus, or the Lord, with all the capital letters there, in verse 1, he can be seen talking to Abraham in verses 13 and verse 14. Let's have a look at verses 13 and 14. And the Lord, again, capital letters there, the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Third, so we've had Lord with all lowercase letters, just a mark of respect to people. We've got, we've seen Lord with all the capital letters, meaning Yahweh or Jehovah God. Thirdly, we have Lord with capital L and lowercase o-r-d in verse 3. Look at there. Verse 3. So this is the third type of Lord we see in this passage. And said, my Lord, this is Abraham speaking, my Lord, if now I have found favour in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. That Lord with the capital L and then Lowercase o-r-d is a translation of the Hebrew word Adonai, which can also be used as a title for God. Secondly, with the understanding that Abraham was visited by the pre-incarnate Son of God and two angels, we'll move on to consider his hospitality towards them. I think it's worth reading the, all those the first eight verses again. But we're going to be considering, now that I've given you the details of who his visitors were, or were, yeah, we, as I'm reading these first eight verses, you can consider his hospitality towards his three very important visitors. Verse one again. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favour in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. 
And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran into the herd and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. To set the scene here, Abraham was 99 years old and even back then that was a ripe old age. 99 years old, add to that that he had recently undergone surgery circumcision of the flesh that 99 year old man had undergone circumcision of the flesh I think we see that in the chapter 17 verse 26 in the self same day was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son so you've got that added to that the temperature of the heat of the day was most likely what? in excess of 99 degrees, if like me you still use good old-fashioned Fahrenheit. According to verse 2, Abraham lifted up his eyes, which makes me think that perhaps he was dozing there in the doorway of his tent, in the heat of the day, perhaps, not perhaps, no perhaps about it, sitting in the doorway trying to catch a bit of breeze, perhaps, to cool him down a little bit. Anyway, he lifted up his eyes and he saw his visitors. He ran to meet them, which is pretty good going for a 99-year-old who's just had that procedure, that um, surgery. In verse 3, Abraham addressed one of the three visitors as my Lord, Adonai, which seems to indicate that he was already aware that one of them was God. Not all the commentators agree with this, but um, I'll, I'll explain why I say it is. And I've got um, one or two commentators that do take the same view as me. For example, the Bible commentator and scholar, Bible scholar, Henry Alford said, the word by which Abraham addresses the principal personage among the three is uniformly used in the Hebrew scriptures as the appellation of deity, Adonai. And if you just glance over to verse 25, let's see what Abraham says. Verse 25, That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. By that time, only one of the visitors remained with Abraham. The other two had gone towards Sodom, and we see the other two, we've already seen them in chapter 19 and verse 1. The two angels, they'd headed off towards Sodom, the only one of the three visitors who was still with Abraham, or, or who he was speaking to there, who was still with Abraham, was the Lord, or verse 1 there, Jehovah God, 
or Adonai. And by saying to that remaining visitor, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Abraham must surely have known that he was in the presence of God. Who is the judge of all the earth? Surely it's God. In verses 4 and 5, Abraham besought his three distinguished guests to rest under the trees of memory and he would fetch some bread for them. So we're going to look at the um, hospitality a little bit. Apparently in the Middle East it is customary to provide food for visitors in order to extend friendship towards them and also it's done as a peace offering just in case the visitors come with unfriendly intentions. Also, a lavish array of food is provided. I found that to be the practice in India when I lived in India. Go round to someone's house for a bite to eat and they'd lay on a tremendous spread of food. That is the way things are in that part of the world. And that is the, that, that was clearly the case under that tree with Abraham having offered his three heavenly visitors some bread then provided cakes courtesy of his dear wife Sarah and tender calf and butter and milk. In other words, he put on a spread for them, having offered them bread. In verse 8, we see that Abraham stood by and no doubt he was ready to attend to the Lord and his two angels as they ate their meal. Let's have a bit of application here. When we consider Abraham's hospitality, there is a lot of application for us, I believe, despite there being some big differences, such as the fact that it was, and it still is, the custom in the Middle East to lavish hospitality on visitors in a way that we really don't do it in the in the West. It's just not the way we do things here. And despite Abraham's guests being very distinguished guests indeed, one of them being the Lord and two angels there. Even so, as we shall see, there is application for us. There are lessons to be learnt. Christians are blessed by the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Blessings such as forgiveness for all their iniquities. They have everlasting life. They have a heavenly inheritance. The God-given faith that Christians have is not a dead faith, it's a living faith, which is seen in a practical love for the brethren. That is something that comes up time and time again in the, uh, in the epistles in, in the New Testament. As it is written in James chapter 2, verses 14 through to 17, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Even so, faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. Faith is dead and being alone if it is not accompanied with works. What kind of works? Apart from anything else, a living faith in Jesus is seen to varying degrees when you take in strangers. 
even the least of the brethren, as though you were taking in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is something that Jesus pointed out in Matthew chapter 25. When he was speaking about the day of judgment, he said, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Then the righteous answer him, saying, When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Needless to say that Jesus was not teaching salvation by works. Taking in strangers is not something that is done as of duty. It's not to be seen as a chore. It's not something that is done in in order to earn favour and merit points with God. It's something that proceeds from a genuine saving and lively faith. In light of what Jesus says about taking in Christians, and even the least of them, and not just your family and friends, but strangers as well, and doing it as unto the Lord, there is unsurprisingly more on the subject of hospitality in the Bible. For example, Jesus warned against hospitality only to those who would return the favour. In Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through to 14, He said, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbours, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. For thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 is extremely relevant to what we've been looking at in Genesis chapter 18. The writer of Hebrews says in chapter 13 and verse 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Of that verse, Spurgeon said, Some people will never entertain angels unaware, for they never entertain anybody. May we be given to hospitality, for that should be part of the character of saints. I do like what Spurgeon comes out with some amazing things. And in Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, The Apostle Paul talked about being given to hospitality. Interestingly, the Greek word that has been translated as hospitality 
in Romans chapter 12 and verse 13 is precisely the same word that is translated as entertain strangers in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2. So when Paul said being given to hospitality, he was saying being given to entertain strangers. Same thing. Are you given to entertaining strangers? My last Bible reference is 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9 where the Apostle Peter says use hospitality one to another without grudging. From experience I would say that both the giving of hospitality and as someone who was a London City missionary I used to go away on deputation all over the UK and in fact beyond that on one occasion I went to Jersey uh, sorry not Jersey, Guernsey and I stayed with a, uh, an elderly Christian couple in Guernsey but anyway I have received a lot of hospitality both as a city missionary and a pastor it's a tremendous blessing for me it's a great encouragement for me every time I've received hospitality from brothers and sisters in Christ and I also know that it is a great blessing to uh, offer hospitality as well. It's a huge blessing. And that should come as no surprise when you consider that it is biblical. So why wouldn't it be a great blessing when it is biblical? Does Jesus and his apostles exhort us to do anything that would be a chore? Of course not. It's a, it's a, it, it truly is a blessing. And it's something that is clearly very dear to the Saviour who sat down to eat with his apostles and with disciples and with who knows who. The prostitutes, tax collectors, whoever and whenever. For our final consideration, we'll look at Sarah's response when she heard that she would have a son. Uh, have a son. We'll look again at verses 9 through to 15. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age and it ceased to be with Sarah (coughs) after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, After I am waxed old or become old, shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. 
Sarah wasn't able to put aside natural considerations and the reality that was there before her when she overheard the Lord saying to Abraham, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. Not making excuses for Sarah, but even so, think about it from Sarah's perspective. The promise of great blessings to all families of the earth in Abraham and his seed was first given to Abraham 24 years earlier when Sarah was already getting on in years. But now, at 89 years of age, the whole idea was laughable. She was 89. As she said within herself in verse 12, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? When she said that, she most certainly was not talking about the pleasure of childbirth. I don't know anything about childbirth, but I'm sure all the women in here who have given birth would say quite clearly that there is no pleasure involved in giving birth. The pleasure, far from being a reference to actually giving birth, was a reference to the activity that results in a baby being conceived in the first place. The very thought of that activity happening was laughable when you consider that she was 89 and her husband was 99. There's no suggestion that Sarah was without a genuine faith in God, nor was she calling God a liar. However, perhaps like the rest of us, at one time or another, she did greatly underestimate what Almighty God is able to do. There's no doubt about it. As John Calvin said, but herein consisted in this alone, that having fixed her thoughts too much on the accustomed order of nature, she did not give glory to God by expecting from him a miracle which she was unable to conceive in her mind. Maybe we've all been there. Shouldn't do, but even as Bible-believing Christians, saved by the grace of God, we do have our moments when we wobble. In closing, the Son of God came into the world as a sacrificial lamb. In fact, he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world when the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life at the cross, he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and he carried in his own body the sins of all who would ever trust in him, all that he came to save. The Lamb of God did. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 9, the angel said to the apostle John, (coughs) Write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper, of the Lamb. Therefore, all of you who have shown repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as as you live out your Christian faith, which, as we have seen, includes joyfully extending hospitalities to even the least of the brethren and even strangers, do so believing that your great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, extends hospitality to you and he has prepared a place for you at the great heavenly feast. Amen.